Rebecca Trefan, today's guest, runs Trefan Events, an event production company. She also hosts a podcast and is an advocate and mentor to women in the event production industry. She'll also share insights about her superpower for seeing and preventing problems. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Anka, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a thrill to meet you. I would say exactly the same, Devin. What a pleasure. It's a treat. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We're, you know, you do some uh, amazing work in the world. Uh, but I think one of the things that uh, resonated most with me is that you are working in a male-dominated industry and facing some of those challenges and providing a role model for other women who want to develop. Tell me a little bit about your experience as uh, as a you know, a technical specialist in the AV and event planning world. Uh, tell us what that's like as a woman. Um, Devin, how much time do we have? Because this is a topic that I'm so passionate <laughs> about that I might as well just keep going and talking for about, you know, the rest of the day. So but I have to put some like boundaries around this. But just to give a little bit of a background to my audience, how did I end up here? Because it's not necessarily a field that uh, women just, you know, end up in or just somehow fall into. Um, I started actually in radio as a uh, high schooler and then into college. I was really, um, I had the opportunity to work in a radio station. Um, and I started, you know, in the beginning, just being a personal assistant and then having my own shows. But one thing that actually has turned things around has been when I moved to U.S. right after college and I realized, well, I can't really do radio because at the time I was like super insecure about my accent and I figured... Um, also, I didn't think about podcasting that early, like, right? I mean, we're talking about almost 20 years uh, ago. Should have. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> how big the show, I, my own show, I have a podcast of my own, would have been yeah. if I did that, right? Um, right so right. the next best thing was, well, what was another thing that actually I was, you know, really passionate about? And I remember, like, falling in love with this little, like, literally, there's like a mixer, you know, that all radio stations have that you run sound through to control your levels and EQ your voice. And it was this little like Mackie 1204, like super, like four channels, something super small and minimal, you know, but I really liked that. Like I was literally on the show while I was uh, DJing, changing my cue on the fly and then just changing my voice all the time. And people are like, what's happening? <laughs> Why does she sound this or that? And I was like, well, that is something that I enjoyed. How about I look into, you know, pursuing that? So I started, um, super long story short, uh, working um, at a production house in LA and then going to school um, in the evenings to learn more about sound engineering and then video production and lighting design. And I started really from the ground up. Like when I first got that job for uh, uh, at a production house, they hired me to fix their computers, not to be, you know, a sound engineer or whatever else I was going to end up to be, you know. So I just, you know, like, got the opportunity, put my foot in the door and got in there. And I'm like, I'm going to learn everything there is to learn. And I was hungry. I was super hungry to learn. And I was hanging out with a bunch of guys uh, and uh, just, you know, stealing <laughs> the craft <laughs> technically. Right. But um, I was very passionate about it. So 
as I was raising myself in this field that is like very much, I mean, even to this day, probably 90% male dominated uh, as an industry, um, I realized that I'm the only girl on the crew, like all the time. Like you look at, you know, some ma uh, major events, uh, big events that you uh, go to, you know, as an attendee, if you look back in the back of house where, you know, the AV techs are, um, you probably see only guys. I mean, very rarely do you see women in those positions. So I was always one of those one girl and then a bunch of guys. And as I got more specialized and I got more training and more experience to the point where now I walk in with a crew of like so many 20 guys and I am the only girl as much as I can. Now I actually make it an intentional effort to bring in women in tech role positions. But many times it happens that, okay, this is my crew. This is my uh, production house that I work with. And this is what they've sent me. And I'm like, yeah, it's me again. Here we go. <laughs> so um, it's been uh, quite an experience. Uh, one of the things that I felt like I was missing the most is having subtype of a role model, a female role model. I never had that. I've had many great male role models in this field and many of which actually have, you know, uh, helped me get where I am, have um, taught me a great deal of things that, you know, technical knowledge that I've gained from them, but I've never had a woman to also bring a little bit of the women touch, you know, and feel to this role that now, you know, I was feeling. So as I was looking at that, you know, and um, just in my mind, um, feeling a little bit like shorthanded because I'm like, man, I feel like uh, I could have gained so much more from having, it's almost like if you were to make the comparison between, you know, when you have two parents raising a child versus one parent raising the child, the, uh, ch the same child, like regardless if it's uh, the mom or the dad raising the child, that child is kind of getting only one-sided experience from, from this wholeness of what parenting should be like, right? So I kind of felt like I only got one-sided of like what this role that now I'm walking in and I'm building my business upon is because I've only had, you know, the, the male uh, mentorship versus a female mentorship. So um, with that in mind, now so many years into my career and into building my business, um, I really started being very more, very intentional and way, way more intentional in how can I elevate other women uh, to be uh, raising them in this field? How can I give them a seat at the table? How, how can I make them feel like they belong? Belonging has been one of those challenges that I've struggled with the most because in many cases, well, first as an immigrant, you've got the belonging to begin with, right? But then as a female in a male-dominated field, you also have a little bit of like belonging, non-belonging type of issue going on and having to uh, resolve that, you know, how how do I belong when, you know, a lot of the things that I hear around me, a lot of the conversations, the language, is not necessarily, you know, um, what I'm used to, right? So, a lot of those things have been, um, I've struggled with, I've made my own mistakes, I've had my own challenges. And I'm like, how 
good would have been if there was like a blueprint or if there's a manual, <laughs> something that I could have read beforehand and be like, okay, by the way, when you get to page 77 um, and you have to deal with, I don't know, sexual harassment, this is what you should be doing. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay, well, let's see when that comes about how I'm going to handle that, you know? So um, a lot of the things that um, I wish I knew uh, or I knew I wish I could ask someone about I had to leave them and then uh, learn from them if there were you know um, mistakes uh, try not to repeat them <laughs> and just uh, you know grow wiser um, I feel like now in the present uh, COVID has really brought uh, up this um, has opened up the horizon first off to find more female in um technology type of roles, especially as event specialists, especially with all the virtual events that we've been doing for the last two and now, I don't know, half years. I don't know. Who knows anymore? Um, but a lot of those uh, relationships now that I've built are with very strong women that have raised themselves up because they can't, they come from like an event planning background and they had to switch roles. They had to pivot. They had to learn technology at a level that before they were never forced to, but because they had to survive somehow one way or another, right, in their position, short of like, you know, changing careers altogether, they, um, they embraced this uh, new wave of technology, uh, figuring things out of like, I have, I have, uh, uh, friends that are now, you know, virtual event producers, they're like, two years ago, I didn't even know that a microphone had multiple, um, you know, type of uh, endings, like you could be a USB or it could be an XLR plug-in microphone, like what, what is that, you know, like simple things that um, you didn't have to know because you were relying always on a maybe AV production house to provide supply and and um, provide for your events. So it's been, I think, there is a little bit of silver lining uh, when it comes to, you know, the pandemic and all the things that we've gone through. And for me, one of those uh, silver linings has been being able to actually really connect because I had to get myself out of my comfort zone and now reach out and connect with a lot of other women on the other side and be like, wow, there's actually more of us. Oh, I can't believe that you do this too. Even though, to be honest, someone like me in my role as, you know, in-person event productions of almost like 20 years now you know switching to virtual and now back to hybrid um it's it's rare to find that role uh, so well defined but connecting with women that do that's when i feel like oh my gosh there's a tribe and now i am so you know grateful to have found this tribe and not feel like well i'm not a guy and i'm not you know i'm not a guy on a tech crew per se because i'm not a guy period. But I'm also not like a, you know, girly girl girl, you know, that goes shopping all day long because that's not what I'm passionate about either. So I would always be like, kind of like the in-between. I'm like, not this, not that. Like, what am I then? You know, so finding my place has been definitely um, soul searching, <laughs> almost like, you know, to fit somewhere where I can contribute um, and I can leave my mark in the world, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. As I listen to you, I can't help but get just a little hung up on your very passing, glancing reference to uh, sexual harassment. And 
and being in such a male-dominated place, I've got to think that that was more than a passing, glancing experience. <laughs> I don't want you to share anything you don't want to share, uh, but I, but I would really love you to just expound on that just a little bit because I think, you know, guys can't hear it too much. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we need constant education. Guys are generally the culprits. Yeah. And we need more sensitivity training. So help us understand your experiences to the extent you feel comfortable sharing. And I think that is such a great topic to bring to the forefront, even though, you know, it can be uncomfortable. I mean, it can be uncomfortable on both ends, on the female side and on the male side. And I'm not saying that there's not females that have harassed guys, you know, uh, there's that that happens all the time as well. Um, I think in this kind of, you know, um, this particular example where the balance is definitely leaning, you know, more like there's more uh, males versus females in this industry, it tends to be that where the the victim is usually the female in most cases, just because of the balance, how things are. Um, I personally uh, have only dealt with it at, I would say, a light level version of like, you know, I, I, I try to have my boundaries set pretty, um, pretty well from the beginning, even though I'm a banterer, I love to joke. I, lo I love to, you know, have fun and just be, you know, light and funny. But at mm -hmm. the same time, there is, you know, there is boundaries that shall not be crossed, especially when it comes to professional relationships. And uh, when you're doing, when you're working, you know, in a professional uh, setup, it can be easy to, you know, cross those boundaries very easy, especially you happen to you know work with guys all the time now there has to be some type of respect both self-respect and respect of the other person and when there some of that is not um that's when things get uh, murky and things get confusing and things get dangerous and i actually as because of my podcast and the fact that i raised this question i raised this challenge that women face in uh, in the industry um i get to hear stories like some of them are really traumatic stories and heartbreaking stories of women that have not necessarily had the same experience in which i was um, able to protect myself, not because uh, I'm a big girl and I can just throw punches, <laughs> uh, but just by the set of circumstances that I did not put myself in places and situations where I felt like uh, I was uncomfortable. And every time that it came about, um, I needed to uh, figure out a way, a strategy and an exit. So it was kind of like always in the back of my mind, um, like there was like some one time, just like a small example where like, what is my exit strategy here? We we had an event and uh, there were like common showers. And I mean, I haven't showered for like a few days. I got to go and shower now. But it's like common showers, like everybody goes and showers because they're all made for male showers. So right. I'm finding the time of day when I'm thinking, OK, nobody's going to take a shower right now. So I'm going to sneak in get a shower really fast and like sneak out. But uh, as I'm doing this, like I get, you know, people walking in on me and I'm like, there you go. This is a very dangerous situation where like, I don't know this person, they can walk on me at any moment. What's my exit strategy here, right? So having that thought constantly, like what's my next step? 
that has always been my strategy and it kind of speaks to like but why do you have to have that like why can't you feel like safe and you know everything you know is rosy and unicorns and beauty because when in that you're in those type of situations and circumstances you do have to have some type of a uh, a plan like okay what do i do if this happens or what do i do if and we're not just talking about like okay i'm, I'm walking you know at the tack table and a guy just happens to have their hand around where my bomb is. I'm like, how did your hand get there? Like, come on, let's talk about this. I also happen to be very outspoken and I'm not afraid to point things out, unfortunately, like right then and there and out loud. And that puts people, you know, uncomfortably in like that awkward situation or like, okay, well, I don't want to hear from her. So I better like keep my hands to myself because <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to hear it out and loud, you know? So, um, again, it takes some strategy. It takes some planning. It takes some avoiding certain circumstances or avoiding even like, okay, this was a great event. Now we're going out for drinks afterwards. How many drinks can I have before I know for sure that I'm not going to be in control of myself? And then I go back from there. Okay, so I can have a drink and a half. Then don't go post that. Because <laughs> then yeah. I know if I hit that second drink and then that turns into a third, then I am not no longer in control of what could happen to me where uh, I'm not as vigilant anymore, right? And um, and again, like I've, I think only happened in one, in one time in my life where that situation where like, you know, you work with some really handsome guys. I mean, come on. I like guys, okay? Um, and things can go murky from actually a consent point of view too. Like, hey, we're both like, we're kind of like, you know, flirting with each other and we're kind of, you know, this could go somewhere. Um, thinking what's going to happen post that. Okay, so if that happens, if we end up, you know, like let's say it out loud, like sleeping together, how am I going to work with you tomorrow? Or how am I going to work with you a week or a month or, you know, uh, a year from now if things don't work out? And yeah. if you can answer that question in a way that you are both, you know, uh, able to say, hey, we're adults, we can deal with this, we'll figure it out. I don't know if that's the best strategy. You know, you'll have to figure it out before that actually happens because post that a lot of things can happen in ways that, uh, you know, you could lose job opportunities, you could lose friendships, you could ruffle, you know, uh, feathers left and right in other situations. You could lose, you know, your next uh, uh, proposal, job, whatever position, right? So those are all things that, let's be honest, guys talk like a lot, just like girls do. And as a female, you also don't want to have the reputation that you're someone that, oh, you got there because you slept your way through it. That's one thing that um, as a female in a male-dominated world has been one of like first thing in my mind. Like I don't want to give anyone any excuse to question my ability or why am I here in the first place. Because the moment that gets super gray, um, it's, it's going to be a disadvantage to the female in all cases. Yeah. Boy, those are some meaty topics. We could spend all day on this. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I want to I move on to another topic briefly. Uh, as a, the professional you are, I bet you've got some great advice for people who are planning cause-oriented, purpose-oriented, maybe nonprofit events. What would you suggest that you've learned over your 
uh, tenure in this world that that others could apply? I think uh, again, COVID has changed the um, game playbook so so mad uh, in such a major way and so. Um, uh, big in, in in ways that we haven't necessarily considered before. So one of the big bigger things that I would have a conversation with my clients as they're you know embarking on this journey of um, planning their next event is uh, one, especially for a nonprofit, knowing that nonprofits in general in general they struggle with budget and uh, you can't just allocate a huge amount of money towards something that is not going to give you a return on your investment. So one of the first um, questions that um, I challenge my clients to ask themselves is, uh, why do you have to have this event in the first place? And then if you have solid grounds, then we can look into, okay, so then let's look into the strategy and the formatting of what this event might look like. And this is where having the... Um, the two, two years and something now of virtual events as a new format for some of those um, nonprofits to be able to still fundraise. And I've had some excellent results with nonprofits fundraising virtually in a digital format, especially in 2020 when that was the only thing that we could do. Um, I've had clients that have raised over $2 million just in one setting, in one event, one hour. But the work that has to be put into that also has to be considered. Like it's not um, that uh, easy to do that anymore because getting those eyes on screen takes a little bit of work. And it's not just the planning, but it's also the marketing and it's the content. And it's all those things that work together to make sure that you capture people's attention and they open their wallets in the process because you really touch them even through the means of a screen. And um, now that we have the ability to do uh, implement both the digital event and the in-person, which is what we call hybrid. But really, going forward, this is going to be the events of the future. So they're just going to be called events. They're not going to be hybrid or virtual. They're just going to be events. And they're all going to have basically some type of virtual component because you want to make um, take advantage of the reach that virtual has provided. And especially if you had events that were virtually uh, in 2020 and 2021, don't discount the reach that you've built. And I've had events that they have reached people in places and countries uh, outside of their sphere of influence uh, on the other side of the world, an audience that they didn't even know they had. And they were surprised to realize that there's actually people that care about my cause and they're in Dubai or they're in, I don't know, South um, Argentina or South America in Argentina, you know. Places like that, otherwise, would be like, no, we're just thinking about our zip code when we put an in-person yeah. event and maybe a little bit outside of that, right? But yeah. now, like, you have the whole globe could be your audience if you market that event well and your cause is something that really, you know, touches the heart of more than just your uh, community. So um, there's still a lot of opportunity for nonprofits to fundraise in so many different ways now that we have the ability to do that and we have tested the waters and we have 
tested the technology and we have really made it happen. I have this week, actually, as we speak, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be the same week as the podcast releases, but in the yeah. present moment, as we speak, I'm working with a nonprofit from on the East Coast and I'm based in Boise, Idaho, like in the middle of, you know, not the country, not on the East Coast. Um, and um, they had the opportunity to go to back to in-person and they've chosen not to because their in-person um, 2019 event was okay. They fundraised, I don't know, like $50,000. But then their 2020 virtual event was fantastic. And their 2021 event virtually as well was fantastic. So they're like, why would you want to go back to in-person when we've raised so much funds just by putting on a virtual event? Yes, there is some cost involved because virtual events, just because they're virtual, they're not free. And especially if you want to have an elevated production value assigned to them. So uh, even though there's you know, a cost uh, associated with that. It was nowhere close to what they were paying if they had to have a venue, if they had to have, you know, food and beverage and all the other things that go with having an in-person event. So it all goes to say the fact that as an organization, you have options and you have to ask the right questions and then make the decision based on actual facts. Uh, We had analytics that we were able to pull from those virtual events that now we can tell, okay, so we've had so many people that um, dropped in and they watched this much of the event and they sticked around for this long and they donated this much. All of this is is data that before with in-person events, we didn't necessarily have, right? So now we can adjust our programming, we can adjust our um, content, and we can adjust the length of the event to um, really make this event the best event possible that it can be in the time assigned for the audience that, you know, we have, we're working with. Yeah, that's that's a really valuable uh, insights there. So thank you very much, Anka. Uh, Anka, what is your superpower? I feel like I have a keen sense of knowing when things are about to go bad or go wrong. And I am one step ahead of that, as well as with, I think that goes hand in hand with my attention to details. Um, I always have brought like my attention to details to the table full on. Some people call it OCD-ness. I don't know. I take it as a, as a uh, benefit because there's certain things that I pay attention to and I know I'm the only one that sees them and that's okay because that's what helps me to foresee things that could happen one way or another or not happen or start, you know, unshoveling and things, you know, uh, starting going um, a little uh, left instead of just straight. And that gives me the ability to then be proactive of what the next steps are to be for, you know, whatever the event, the situation, the whatever technical, you know, situation we're in, um, not to go that way. So, yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. a name for it. Like, what would you call that? that meant, like, uh, Obviously, uh, you have uh, an ability to foresee what's going on, which is uh, to foresee problems and then, of course, take action. Uh, that's a super powerful. That is a superpower. Uh, superpower. Yeah, that's yep. a great superpower. Let, can you think of an example of when you used that uh, in your professional career successfully? I'm trying to pinpoint something that mm, that was going to go really south. 
Mm-mm. Okay. Um, I'll come up with this uh, hybrid event example. It was a conference, a two-day conference, um, and um, uh, here locally, but it was also streaming to about a thousand virtual attendees. And I was working with a production house locally here, and we had the plan set up. Everything, I mean, everything was rolling as it should be up until probably, I think on the Wednesday, it was on a Wednesday, and the event was set to set up uh, on a Monday, the next Monday, and go live on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So on Wednesday, I'm having this conversation again with my team, and I'm starting to hear a little bit of, I don't know, just like hesitant answers. Something is not not right, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm like first like my ears perk up, and I'm like, hmm, I need to dig deeper into this. Like, what's happening, right? And to find out from you know the business owner of this production house that I was dealing with, that he had a major split in the company just that week. And half of his labor basically departed. And this is the person, the company that I've assigned for my event. And I'm thinking now, uh, oh, shoot, uh, if half of your labor has departed, that means there's going to be a few people missing on my crew when we're going to go and set up on Monday. So I'm trying to, you know, investigate and find out a little bit more like, you know, what, what exactly what's happening? Like, how sure are we that we can actually move on with the plan? And he's, you know, not able to give me straight answers. And he's just like, maybe, but possibly, um, let me think about it. Let me get back to you kind of, you know, answers. And you're like already thinking, oh, this is not good. Like red flags left and right. So, I'm at that point, you know, I'm like, okay, get off the call, the phone. And I'm like, I need to set up a B plan, like a B crew, because this, in case this doesn't happen, I can be letting my client down. So I'm starting to making calls, making calls to have my backup people align. You know, I mean, I know I, I need um, a live streamer. I need someone to run a sound. I need someone to run a video. I need someone to be switching graphics. I need someone to be on camera. Actually, a couple of guys on cameras. I need uh, a stage manager. I mean, there's a few roles, key lo- roles that I need to fill yeah. for that conference. And it's not just like a, you know, a three-hour event and then we're good. It's like two days worth of conference, which is very long to, you know, have to hire someone during the busy season, which, you know, for events, usually that's um, uh, spring and fall. This was in the spring. And I'm making calls, I'm making calls. And I'm like, okay, if I don't have to use you, um, that that's okay. But if I need to give you a call, like Monday morning, Will you please let me know if you can make it, if you can commit to this time? And it's hard, honestly, when you have to make people commit to something like that, because if something else comes up, they will take that opportunity first, right? Because right now I'm just promising them uh, a two-day event and pay uh, for something that I'm not yet sure, you know, if it's going to happen or not based on like what my situation is here. So I'm pulling a lot of favors. And uh, lo and behold, Monday morning, 8 a.m. comes and my company calls me the one that I've hired initially. Oh, um, 
I've, you know, I've only got two guys coming and we need to find another like five guys. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I've got the people. And I was able to call my contacts and then people get people in. It wasn't smooth. It wasn't easy. I still had to do a lot of training on the fly over the calm, you know, <laughs> from my position um, the uh, as um, with the client as the technical director and just talking to my guy that was running lights and my audio engineer that was not so sure about how they're going to route, you know, signal to uh, the live streaming versus the in-person because he's never done that before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is great. So there are situations like that where you need to see, to be able to kind of like look at your crystal ball as broken as it might be at times. And figure out, okay, which way will, you know, this take, which turning will take, because I need to be prepared for whatever. That's what an event we call about, we call contingency planning. Like, what's your contingency? What's your, uh, you know, what, what, what are you going to do? You know, if this fails, like what's plan B? What's plan C? What's plan D? And nothing has brought that need for multiple plans as backups. Um, than COVID and, you know, especially with, for events that were booked in venues and then having to, you know, cancel their venue and, and try to figure out, okay, are we going to do something virtually? And then how, how about we go back to the venue? Oh, the venue doesn't have the date anymore. Well, how about, let's go back to the virtual. Oh, now the production house doesn't have the date. It's like, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is yeah. so difficult, you know? Yeah. 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 Wild stuff. Wild stuff. Well, listen, Anka, uh, we just have a minute left uh, respecting your time. What would you counsel someone to do to develop this sense of foresight? Is there something you can help us learn so that we can develop this strength as well? That's a fantastic question. And and it was an, if it was an easy answer, I would give it to you. But my only particular, in my situation, answer is experience. Honestly, you might have to put yourself in situations that are not always rosy and learn some of those mistakes in ways that are not necessarily uh, happy and be able to rise back up. So I feel like the foresight also comes with that resilience to keep going and to be able to um, be open-minded, to learn uh, from your mistakes, uh, learn from whatever failures that might have happened in the past and get better at doing the one thing that maybe just the universe keeps bringing in front of you. Hey, you got to repeat this lesson until you really learn it. And that will definitely give you the foresight next time you're in that situation. I'm like, ah, this sounds a lot like that one time when this happened, what can I do to change the outcome, you know? Yeah, that's a fantastic uh, observation. Well, Anka, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Before we wrap up, will you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more uh, about Trifon events, how they can learn more about uh, event, uh, events demystified, your podcast, and how they can connect with you on social media or otherwise? 
Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. The best way to connect with me professionally is on LinkedIn. And if you'll have that in the episode notes, that would be fantastic. My name is um, spelled A-N-C-A-T-R-I-F-A-N. So that's Anka Trifan. My business uh, name uh, is Trifan, which is spelled T-R-E-E-F-A-N, events. And it's just a play on my last name, honestly, because most people, they would pronounce my name as Trifan. But in Romanian, because that's what my uh, really, that's where I, I, I was born and raised, uh, we say my, nestle, uh, my last name as Trifan. So all that to say, Trifan Events, T-R-E-E-F-A-N Events.com is the website. There's also a website for the podcast, eventdemystified.com. And if none of those sticked, I would say just go to LinkedIn, look me up, hit me up with whatever questions you might have. I am an open book. I love to talk to people and give them advice in the, you know, the means, in the uh expertise that I have and um, yeah, always uh, happy to make new connections. Fantastic. Anka, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We wish you every success in your work and and, uh, thank you for the the great role model that you are for women in a a male-dominated industry. So uh, kudos and good luck to you. Thank you so much. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.